This week's podcast is sponsored by the book, Glory Lost and Found, How Delta Climbed from Despair to Dominance in the Post-9-11 Era. It's Delta's inspirational turnaround story, written by the editors of Airline Weekly. Lively and informative, just like this podcast. Available in hardcover, paperback, Kindle, and audiobook formats. Hop on Amazon.com and search Delta Book. The first quarter, the winter quarter, is historically the weakest quarter for U.S. airlines. And for United Airlines, it's particularly bad because that airline doesn't have a lot of north-south traffic. Yeah, unlike, let's say, JetBlue has has a lot of New York-Caribbean traffic, or even Delta, for that matter, more of a north-south oriented network than United has. And in keeping with tradition, United's first quarter results were indeed bad. They posted a 4% operating margin. Yeah, last year's was uh, 10%, 4%, well below Delta's 11% this year. I'm Jason Cottrell, Vice President of Airline Weekly. I'm Seth Kaplan, Managing Partner of Airline Weekly. We're going to talk about United and Delta's two very different first quarters. We'll also talk about WestJet's bold new move and Alitalia's dire situation. It's all coming up on the Airline Weekly Lounge. Thanks for joining us. Now, I mentioned that Delta and United had very different first quarters, but in some ways they were the same. Both are paying the piper when it comes to labor. Both are paying the same in fuel. Seth, where's the big difference? Well, the the difference is the difference, I suppose, right? As, as, as you mentioned, you know, 10 minus 4, a uh, difference of oh, roughly six points. Um, now, now, it should be clear here that, that in terms of, uh, you know, performance Compared to a year earlier, you know, you mentioned United uh, well lower than what United reported a year ago, well lower than what Delta reported this year. Delta actually had the the slightly bigger year over year decline. Uh, you know, so so uh, uh, you know, if anything, United can hang its hat on that. The fact that uh, U.S. airlines in general, uh, you know, seem to have peaked uh, last year, the year before, uh, they're all heading in the wrong direction, albeit still off very high levels, um, but. Delta actually fell more than United. Uh, you know, you mentioned the seasonality thing, and that that does always account for some of it. United tends to make up some of uh, whatever poor for performance it, it registers in the first quarter during the uh, second and third quarters um, when it peaks more. Uh, but generally speaking, um, uh, you know, United's costs uh, simply ballooned a little more than Delta's. Uh, you know, United's revenues were up three percent, kind of in line with its capacity increase, but its costs rose ten percent. Uh, you mentioned, Jason, they paid about the same for fuel, but to be clear, when we say the same, that's the same as each other, not the same as a year earlier. Everybody's paying more now than they paid a year earlier. And pretty much everybody in the U.S., and especially these two airlines that we're talking about, Delta and United, are paying their employees a lot more. They're certainly happy to be able to do that. You know, they're, they're in that position, but that, that does cost money. Uh, and, and so a lot of cost pressure in the U.S., not only on the fuel side, but also on the labor side. That, by the way, Jason, is something that distinguishes these airlines from the European airlines. European airlines paying more for fuel, especially with uh, with weak currencies. Um, but in general, uh, 
you know, not seeing that labor cost inflation, partly because they just don't have the money to uh, pay their employees more for most of them in the same way that U.S. airlines do, where the work groups are now uh, saying, hey, it's 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 time. You know, we, we gave up what we did uh, back during the, the bad old days and, and now uh, now they expect to uh, be compensated. So at the end of the day, United will have to wait a little longer to find out if it can catch Delta in terms of profitability. What do you see in how United is positioned that could enable them to catch Delta? And I'll uh, I'll give you one answer. Uh, we described in Airline Weekly a change in its network approach. Do you want to start with that? Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, Scott Kirby, United's president, ha- has uh, made clear that, that you know, ever since he got to United last year, um, that, uh, that that very dramatic day when, uh, you know, about uh, five minutes apart, American put out a press release that Scott Kirby was gone and United put out a, pre- had a press release saying that uh, uh, that he had started there. Um, anyway, uh, he, he's been very clear that he thinks that United's uh, network just has uh, insufficient feed in, in, into its hubs, uh, and, and and this, by the way, Jason, this is one of those things that's that's changed over time. And I actually asked him about this uh, when I interviewed him last fall. Uh, you know, he's talked a lot about how you know, the importance of connecting traffic, and, and obviously we know that these are giant network airlines uh, that rely a lot on connecting traffic. But the way he sort of talks about it, it's almost like he prefers connecting traffic over. Uh, over nonstop traffic, and and I asked him. I said, "But um, isn't the nonstop traffic still your highest yielding traffic? I mean, you know, a business traveler will always pay a premium for that convenient nonstop flight rather than connecting." Uh, and he said something interesting that I think sort of uh, uh, you know explains a lot of what United's doing, which is very much building up its sort of small and and mid sized city network. He said, "Well, he said not really anymore um, because." Now that low cost carriers, including ultra low cost carriers, are on all the big uh, domestic uh, uh, routes, um, you know, with with their low fares, uh, a lot of times it's just not true anymore that you get these huge premiums for uh, for for your nonstop routes. Uh, you know, it, it tends to be the connecting traffic, either connections from a smaller mid sized city uh, to somewhere abroad, or even just within the U.S. Uh, where you're not competing against all the low cost carriers, you know, where people have, uh, you know, maybe two or three options. And then those other options might be other legacy airlines, maybe Southwest, um, that that's actually nowadays often the uh, the best yielding traffic. And, and, and his judgment basically was that United was uh, insufficiently positioned to compete for that traffic. And uh, United has been building up that that domestic network. Jason, I, I got a call uh, uh, last week from a, a good newspaper reporter in Roanoke, Virginia, who noticed that the airport there uh, was reporting uh, actually significantly higher uh, passenger traffic uh, compared to a year earlier, really the first time in a long time had things have been going the right direction in Roanoke. And he asked me what's going on. I said, well, a lot of what's going on is United. Um, and in fact, there I went into the DO schedules and I looked and yeah, it was United, uh, not just United, but certainly United uh, that had increased its capacity a lot and, and hence uh, traffic. And so that's going on at a lot of uh, a lot of places like that where United uh, especially, but of course we know he just came from America and uh, so they were doing the same thing. Uh, you know, recognizing that that there's actually opportunity to, that they had cut so much uh, during the downturn at, at those smaller airports uh, that that the, the the cutting was overdone. That's their feeling. 
Uh, so they're adding service. Uh, they are rebanking their hubs. Uh, it's it's uh, you know not easy to do at a place like Newark. Uh, easier to do at some of the others, but even at Newark and as well as at the others, uh, they're rebanking the hubs, meaning uh, shorter connecting times. There are some uh, offsetting negative impacts on the on the cost side. It's actually more expensive to. Uh, Run a bank tub for reasons that I think we've we've uh, talked about uh, on a past episode, a whole separate and, and interesting discussion. Not one we'll have today, but anyway, uh, basically, you know, United's feeling it's it's well worth those costs uh, when they see the revenue trade off. Uh, you know, people just preferring those better connections and, and preferring having more frequencies and, and just uh, United being more viable option in in uh, U.S. cities connecting either to other U.S. cities or or elsewhere in the world. And then what else is United doing? I know they're doing a lot because I read Airline Weekly. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's Polaris, uh, the new business class uh, product, which is in terms of the the hard product, so to speak. I mean, you know, the seats on the planes, literally, um, uh, you know, barely rolling out. Uh, it would be early days anyway. And then they've had some delays uh, on, on the manufacturing side uh, from their supplier. So a lot of upside there to come. Uh, you know, they're improving their operations. I mean, United during their call bragged that they've canceled fewer uh, flights than than their competitors. And yes, I'm including Delta. Uh, Delta, of course, had that uh, that that mess several weeks ago where they they failed to recover smoothly after a big storm in Atlanta. Uh, and so, I mean, look, you know, if if you control for that, I haven't specifically tried to do this, but you know, I'm sure I'm sure Delta day in day out is 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 probably, um, you know, right now still the more reliable airline. But uh, you know, but the gap is narrowed to, to one degree or another. Um, United is working on some uh, the, just kind of arcane but important uh, revenue management tactics. They felt like they were uh, selling out flights too early in the past, You know, holding open more seats for those uh, high-paying last-minute uh, travelers. They are hawking credit cards on board, uh, just, just getting into doing that in a way that uh, that Delta and American have, have long been doing. That's another, you know, Scott Kirby's handprints all over that. Uh, you know, that, that goes back to America West, US Airways. Uh, that management team, of course, uh, ended up at American. Uh, it's, it's, it's lucrative something united wasn't uh, really doing the same way that its uh, competitors were doing so uh so yeah you know a, a, a lot uh a lot of upside there and uh, it's gonna be interesting to see you know, this is an airline we've talked about it you know is it the uh to, to borrow from the the gordon bethune uh, uh analogy uh that he used in other contexts you know is it the jockey or the horse you know is it uh, was there just is there just something structural about united that that means it can never be as profitable as delta or or uh or if if run correctly uh can it be um and uh you know we're 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 gonna get a chance to see because they're doing a lot and speaking of delta as you mentioned their 11 percent operating margin was well below the 18 percent that the airline posted in the first quarter last year but still this year's 11 percent was the second best ever so should delta be happy with beating united and posting a double digit return or double digit margin in the weakest quarter or should delta be depressed seeing their profit margin slash like that yeah, maybe yes and yes. Uh, you know, it, it it's uh, uh, yeah, as you said, by almost any standard, um, a, a, an excellent result uh, compared to Delta's history, compared to everybody's history, compared to you know airlines almost anywhere in the world. Um, but uh, but no, that, that, that you know, it's, it's a it's a fairly significant uh, slip in 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 uh, in margins drop by uh, to drop 
you know that much uh, more again than than uh, than United. You know that's that's not what Delta would would prefer. Uh, so you know what 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 they have been trying to get their hands around for a long time, and they seem to have you know finally done it is at least not having their unit revenues decline. Uh, you know they're in a situation where basically revenues remain under pressure. Uh, at the same time that costs are rising, um, they do seem to have finally gotten their hands around the, the unit revenues declines uh, to where that's plateaued. Um, and now with costs rising uh, for the foreseeable future, you know, absent a, a, a big downturn in fuel prices, uh, they, they need to see their unit revenues moving in the right direction to keep pace with the rising costs. And if that happens, uh, then they can begin to uh, to, to stem uh, these declines in in uh, in uh, profit margin. I, I should mention too, Jason, that you know we, we talk mostly here about uh, uh, in terms of operating margin. It's kind of just the the you know the the easy and relatively clean way to compare airlines uh, of different sizes, uh, different places in the world. But um, uh, but Delta, you know, in terms of net profits, uh, the gap is is uh, is even a little greater compared to uh, United and. Uh, American, so you know th- that's when you get into sort of the balance sheet, also, and your interest payments and all the rest of it. You know, those are very real numbers. Um, you know, Delta last year, for example, for all of 2016, um, its operating margin uh, th- a bit higher than than uh, American and United, um, but it did earn a billion dollars more than either of those airlines. So it, it is still the significantly more profitable company, even though those two, of course, are, are more profitable than than almost any other airline around the world. I asked what United could do to catch Delta. Let me turn it around. What do you see in Delta's arsenal, shall we say, that will enable it to maintain superiority? Yeah, it's doing a lot. Uh, you know, um, it, uh, it it it's got new joint ventures starting. The one with uh, Aeromexico, uh, for sure. The one with Korean Air, uh, you know, pending uh, regulatory approval. Uh, so you know, with that, it can very quickly um, uh, fix, or at least mostly fix. It's it's a uh, longstanding uh, uh, strategic issues in Asia because alongside that would be Tokyo Narita capacity cuts. You know, it's, it's, it does a lot of flying there that it doesn't necessarily want to do, but just because it doesn't have a uh, joint venture partner in in uh, Northeast Asia, um, you know, there are just the stru- structural things about Delta um, that 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 uh, have made it so profitable. Um, you know, the Atlanta hub is uh, you know you show me a better airline hub in the world um the uh the, the mostly non-union labor force rather flexible labor force i mean they pay their employees well but it is a, a rather productive workforce uh and and so forth i mean it's it's a it's, it's a very well-run airline um it's also an airline that's that's uh, uh you know blessed with uh with some good structural setups that that uh you know predate anybody who's there now uh you know, including the hub uh you know the, the Headquarter city of Atlanta, um, you know, dating back the better part of a century, and so, uh, so yeah, no, there's, there's, um, United is the airline that has its work cut out for it, it, it uh, in order to, uh, to, to catch Delta. Although again, it is um, at least on a relative basis, uh, in some regards, moving in the right direction. So, with just a few U.S. airlines reporting so far, how is 2017 looking for those for U.S. carriers? Yeah, so yeah, I mean, clearly, it's, it's. Uh, 2016 uh, seems to have been the high water mark. Um, uh, Hawaiian uh, uh, did exceptionally well, um, but in general, um, you know, this is, uh, uh, and I should say, this is no surprise. Um, you know, you you 
you, you kind of knew that these airlines were operating in sort of an alternate universe for a little while there. Uh, a when fuel prices started declining, you know, they had a a cheap fuel cost structure and and for a while sort of an expensive fuel revenue structure uh you know fares still because of the lag time between fuel price movements and and what happens to airfares because you know in the end there's some capacity adjustments that happen in between uh you know high airfares very low cost um that historically doesn't usually last uh you know airfares eventually catch up with fuel prices typically uh in either direction so in this case you had falling fuel prices and eventually you know very predictably um falling airfares um so yeah so here we are you know in a situation where, where we've got these airlines that are still uh look they're all reporting profits in the first quarter uh you know in some cases solid profits a quarter when uh, these airlines used to hope to just not lose too much money excellent balance sheets you know it's it's they're far removed from situations where if they had one, you know, even worse quarter, it would do pose any kind of threat to their existence or anything like that. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, no longer, uh, just putting up those, those, um, uh, those ridiculous profit margins and then we'll see here on an annual basis how they do. But, uh, yeah, you, you can bet that absent any dramatic change and really all you could imagine would be a, a, a plummeting fuel prices would be the only thing that would dramatically change what i'm about to say hard to imagine 2017 being uh as profitable or even nearly as profitable as 2016 even though in historical terms still among the most profitable years ever i'm sure quick question about american who reports after we post this podcast will their operating margin be closer to united's four percent or delta's 11 percent Probably a bit closer to United, but somewhere in between. American gives uh, pre-tax margin guidance. So in other words, uh, not operating margin, but net margin, including um, interest costs, stuff like that. So pre-tax margin tends to be a, a bit lower uh, than operating margin. So American said it would be somewhere between its pre-tax margin would be somewhere between four and six percent. Uh, United reported a uh, pre-tax margin actually just under two percent. Uh, Delta reported again. I'm talking pre-tax here uh, about nine percent. So you know, you look at that kind of de- almost depending where within the range American falls, uh, it, it could be a little bit closer to one than the other, but almost certainly uh, somewhere uh, somewhere in between the two with some distance between it and and both of them at least in terms of pre-tax margin operating margin uh, you know tends to to track it um it just tends to be a little bit higher right so uh um you know so you mentioned united four percent so american if they're guiding four to six percent pre-tax i don't know you know the operating margin might end up being you know five six seven eight percent something like that uh and uh you know which would be comfortably higher than uh united and uh still significantly lower than delta And of course, with United, it would seem weird to do a whole segment without mentioning the David Dow incident. That's the passenger who was forcibly removed from the plane and suffered physical harm along the way. Seth, you were all over the mainstream media talking about it. Now that we're almost a couple weeks from the event and the dust has settled a bit, how much or how little is this going to damage United? Yeah, the answer isn't entirely yet clear, uh, but I I could just tell you that generally speaking, one-off incidents um, end up being surprisingly unimportant, uh, you know, in the, in the long term for an airline. Uh, now, United hurt itself here uh, by, I mean, the, the the incident itself was 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 uh, just this 
this real, I mean, to call it one off, it, it was really this crazy confluence of events, right? Where the airline made some mistakes, uh, the flight actually operated by, by, by Republic, but um, uh, the airline made mistakes. You had a passenger who, you know, even though, gosh, you can sympathize with being upset with, you know, having been boarded and then, you know, yanked from your seat, you know, reacted in a way that most of us probably wouldn't have reacted to anyway. We all know what happened next. So that would, that, that probably could happen on any airline, but, United's handling of the aftermath was just really poor. I mean, it kept the story in the news longer than was necessary. If it had come out and just you know, said the right things right away, uh, this wouldn't have dominated the news in 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 America and I mean, to to a degree throughout the world in the way that it did. I mean, United managed to accomplish what almost nobody else could, which was to uh, to to partly push Donald Trump off the off the front page uh, for for a little while there. Um, yeah, I could. I mean, just generally speaking, Jason, I've done less uh, TV this year than I usually do because you know so much of the coverage in the U.S. anyway is is uh, about the. Um, you know, the latest thing Trump did, and United <laughs> managed to muscle its way uh, onto uh, onto the evening news uh, in, in 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 an unfortunate way. Anyway, you know, having said all that, um, this clearly hurt its its reputation uh, for an airline that, and this is the frustrating thing. We talked earlier about how you know, in 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 everyday ways, it's it's actually been improving its operation considerably. I mean, they're running a better airline. Uh, you know, they're they're more punctual, they're losing fewer bags, all that kind of stuff. Um, it takes a while for perception of those things to catch up with reality, right? Before people sort of realize, oh, United's you know, not so bad now. Um, and, and so this is a real setback to that. However, you know, what 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 ends up mattering most is the reality, right? Look, Delta uh, has has had a few, few very big setbacks over the past year. They had that um that global ground stop uh, last summer that ended up really messing up their their global network for a few days, uh, and then the incident just you know several weeks ago where we're again for several days I mean, it, it was a mess. And uh, I mean, look, they handled the aftermath of that better. They you know, ordered pizza for stranded passengers, even though they didn't have to, and you know, did all that kind of you know, gave people vouchers and, and bonus miles and everything, even if they didn't complain. They did they did some of the right things, but still, um, you know, some very bad headlines for Delta. But you know, in the end, if after that's over, Delta's running a reliable airline, um, the 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 history suggests Delta's going to be fine. And, and likewise for United, if if the reality of the airline continues improving, uh, they 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 should be fine. Um, you know, they need to handle the next incident better um, because it's it, it, you know there it was there were just some real unforced errors there uh, but yeah th- this is um, you know in the long term uh, they they you know th- this this shouldn't have a a huge uh, impact even though no question to, to some degree I mean you have to imagine there's somebody out there who all things being equal you know flight from uh, you know Chicago to uh, to Dallas or whatever uh, you know choice between American United I'm sure for a while there you know they, they might have uh, uh, shied away from United. So the answer is, when in doubt, order pizza. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's 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 amazing what uh, what an order of I don't know five hundred pizzas or something uh, did uh, in, in terms of PR for uh, for Delta to, to make to make a bad situation better. It is interesting how though over on in this one department of an airline, the PR department, they are having a total PR fiasco. A you know a nuclear meltdown. And it's probably going to be pretty much benign financially. Yeah, I, 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 I think so. Um, and and we don't know 
exactly what went on um, in the room when United decided uh, initially to, you know, to, to not respond in the way that, you know, to kind of not follow the playbook for how you handle these things, right? Uh, you know, I, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, um, you know, it's funny, Jason. It's, a lot of times, you know, something happens in the co- and a company comes out and, you know, says, blah, 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 we apologize. And you, you, you almost, you almost sort of say, oh, of course, they're just, they're just saying what they want people to hear, right? Well, you can't accuse United of that, right? Uh, you know, they, they, uh, uh, they came out and kind of blamed the passenger at first. That, that's, probably how they felt uh but uh but it was the wrong answer i mean it was just there was, there was just too much um you know with the video and everything you know people had made up their minds about that um but yeah no uh you're right you know they, they i mean it's you know this this is a case by, by the way american uh, you know a week later had a, had a different incident with a passenger a lot of people probably saw the, the woman who was strolling was yanked away from her and so forth anyway a flight attendant who at least the part that you could see on video uh seemed to have a real short fuse um but american handled the aftermath better and uh so kind of a case study there two weeks in a row uh what mostly not to do and then what mostly uh to do but uh but to your point jason yeah um if history is any guide it will have remarkably uh little impact uh in the long term on on united did they order pizza (laughs) (laughs) all right moving on i want to talk about the big surprise in canada and no i'm not talking about how the canadians lost to the rangers i'm talking about something much less important This is WestJet, who's making an aggressive move by launching its own new ultra-low-cost carrier. Seth, what are they thinking, and is this as risky as it seems? I didn't mean to say, what are they thinking, but what are they thinking? <laughs> oh, it's okay to, to say, what are they thinking? <laughs> you know, because, uh, uh, you know, that, that's, that, that'd be a fair question. Um, uh, you know, this is clearly defensive. Uh, they would not be doing this. I don't think I'm going out on a limb to say this. They would not be doing this if there were not other uh, ultra low cost carriers, ULCCs, either already in operation or uh, or, or preparing to launch. Uh, you've got New Leaf, um, which is small, uh, clearly has struggled in some markets. Um, uh, WestJet has, seems to have been managed to push it around a little bit already, uh, but 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 it's it's there, it's operating, and then. Uh, then there are a couple others that uh, that want to get going. One possibly with the help of of Indigo Partners. Uh, that's the same firm that backed you know, Spirit's very success- successful transformation to to an ultra low cost carrier. Frontiers, uh, more recent transformation. Wizz Air, uh, other successful uh, airlines around the world, as well as a few that that, that haven't succeeded. Uh, apparently, back at the launch of of a of a ULCC down in down in uh, Chile. So uh, you know, th- th- this could just be WestJet sending a message. Uh, I mean, they, you know, they seem serious, uh, but you know, they they could just you know decide that they, uh, they you know if, if New Leaf doesn't grow and if not, none of the other stuff happens, they could just decide that they've accomplished what they wanted to by saying that they were going to do this, um, or or they could actually launch it. Um, again, I'm sure they wouldn't want to do it. All things being equal, I'm nearly as sure that this is not going to be the most profitable part of of, uh, of the airline. Uh, you look at Copa um, launched Wingo and and uh, you know has already I think abandoned at least one market. Um, it, you know, it, it's it's uh, it's one thing to be a ULCC and that to be your culture from the top down. Uh, it's another thing for an ultra low cost operation to be. Uh, not a simplicity, and that's the point of ULCC, right? It's very simple, but but actually to be a complexity 
um, within a, a bigger company. So now you've got this, you've got WestJet that has Encore, you know, very small turboprops, has its transatlantic operation and now launching, uh, launching uh, this, you know, so these will be these ultra dense uh, 737-800s, um, you know, assuming it launches. I, in terms of pushing down costs, I mean, you can do that without launching a ULCC uh, just through density, right? And WestJet's already done that. It's already a rather dense airline, you know, as, far, so as for the rest of it, you know, you run the risk of competing against your own airline, you're kind of cannibalizing yourself and and, and, and all of that. Um, I can only imagine that they have just calculated that, look, that the threat is too real, um, that uh, if they have to do this, you know, as, as long as it's uh, in a in a in a narrow sense, not a um, not a big financial problem uh, that it's worth doing when you consider the benefit, perhaps, of uh, of keeping the camp competition at bay. You know, you, the old story: you'd rather eat your own lunch than have somebody else eat your lunch, and and uh, that uh, seems to be what they've concluded. Perhaps it's that simple. They've they've concluded: look, there is go- there is going to be a ultra. <laughs> low cost service in Canada and uh and they'd rather be the one offering it. Uh e- even though Jason there are reasons why just in general um it's it's tougher in Canada starting with the airport cost. Uh which by the way are are m- much more significant issue in, in the biggest cities uh where you know New Leaf isn't uh in general but um you know generally speaking um it it is harder to have the same cost differential when the costs that you kind of can't control are are very high, right? You know that's why um, we see a lot of ultra low cost carrier activity in Fort Lauderdale, uh, not so much in Miami, because in Fort Lauderdale with very low airport costs, um, you can have just more of a massive overall cost differential uh, than you can in Miami or or at another um, expensive airport where sort of airport costs are the great equalizer. That's just the case throughout a lot of Canada. So, yeah, a lot to watch here. We'll uh, we'll see. Uh, WestJet certainly uh, an airline that for years was among the uh, the very most profitable in the world, and now uh, you know although it's 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 doing okay, facing some of the bigger challenges uh, that it's faced in its history. Last question of the day takes us to Italy, where this week Alitalia's workers rejected a restructuring plan. Seth, did that rejection surprise you? And are we witnessing the end of Alitalia? I'll go back to your previous question. You said, what were they thinking in terms of WestJet? (laughs) That's, uh, you know, what are they thinking, right? And this might be sort of giving too much of the benefit of the doubt, but if they thought this through, this might just be a a gamble on their part that um, the government's going to step in and save them again. So why why give anything else up um, if they can just shift the burden even more onto Italian pack taxpayers? Um, and and it and that it might be that simple because if they, it's hard to imagine if they really believe that this vote would mean the end of Alitalia, which it could. Um, that they would have done something that uh, irrational, uh, you know, as, as to vote for their own demise. But they they wouldn't be the first union um, in in airline history to indeed vote for at least the union's demise, if not if not perhaps the the demise of the airline. Uh, sort of res- thinking of two uh, in U.S. history, right? The the mechanics at Northwest voted f- for their own demise. The well, the mechanics at Eastern basically voted for for the airline's demise. I mean, uh, both. I mean, to be clear, you know, both both. But, but these were workers that were facing terrible. There were no good choices. You know, I don't need to make light of it. But you know that 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 was uh, that that was the outcome uh, in, in those cases. Um, so so yeah, you know it's it 
you know, is there a breaking point where, where they finally just uh, cut Alitalia loose and trust that Italy will always have the air service it needs courtesy of other airlines? I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, SAS came very close to liquidating several years ago. Um, in that case, the workers did agree at the last minute to some very, very, very painful cuts. Um, but, uh, they are, uh, they're certainly playing with fire. I mean, there's no question about that. The, 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 the possibility that, that Alitalia, that, you know, that it stays are numbered exists. Although I'm going to bet it survives somehow because <laughs> it always seems to. Oh, great. I was afraid we were going to end the show yet again on a negative note, but, uh, we're positive this time. <sighs> Chalk well, it up. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not positive. Maybe not positive for uh, you know um, more market-based competitors who uh, you know have to compete against uh, um, you know what they would see as irrational capacity. But but yes, from from a standpoint of of that proud Italian airline, yes, positive. Every everything's relative. Episode seventy-one is in the books for the next episode. I promise we will uh, endeavor to finish on a high note. (laughs) I'm Jason Cottrell for Seth Kaplan. Thanks for stopping by the Airline Weekly Lounge. This podcast has been sponsored by the book, Glory Lost and Found, How Delta Climbed from Despair to Dominance in the Post-9-11 Era. Do you think the show focuses too much on the horse race aspect of the industry? Yeah, but who doesn't like a horse race? Maybe we could convert the lounge to an off-track betting parlor.